Anybody just glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? I'm so glad to be here this morning. It is an honor to be here. Me and Pastor Jabin have known each other for quite a long time, and it is an honor to stand in his pulpit and preach to you guys. This is incredible. We were in the first service, and I guess the service is going to look like this all day. This church is only two years old. And this is bonkers. Like, this is a miracle. I don't know if you know that you're sitting inside of a miracle. And, and it doesn't just take finances and a team to start a great church like this. It takes a lot of faith. Anybody just glad that your pastors had the faith and the vision? Come on, they had you in mind. Anybody got saved at this church recently? If you've gotten saved, come on. We're so glad that you're here. And Pastor Jabin and Pastor Shannon saw you in the future of this church. And so we just honor them in their absence. I'm glad I get to preach for Pastor Jabin today. And uh, I'm black, if you haven't noticed. I'm black every day, all day. Uh, and so uh, I, I'm, I'm used to preaching at black churches, okay? I grew up preaching at black churches. And here's the thing about black churches. There is no confusion as to whether or not you are doing a good job or a bad job at a black church, okay? There's no like, ooh, I wonder if I did well. No, you know. You know whether or not you're doing a good job because if you're doing a bad job, if you're doing a bad job, I mean, you didn't memorize your verses, you was misquoting scriptures, like you took a verse out of context, your jokes aren't funny. If you're doing a bad job and you're at a black church, it's like the mothers of the church, typically in this section over here, and one of the mothers of the church, if you're doing a bad job, will stand up and say, help him, Holy Ghost. So which at that point, you're like, yes, Holy Ghost, help me right now. Whatever you got to do, give me a new sermon. I mean, teach me how to sing like Pastor Jabin, whatever you got to do, help me. And, and, but, but it's funny because if you're doing a good job, if you're doing a good job at that same church, that same church mama will say my favorite thing, which is take your time, preacher. Let's go. You better preach it, say it, make it plain, amen, let's go. We hear you, say it again for the folks in the back, okay? So I I love preaching at black churches, but here's the thing, I'm going to make a deal with y'all. If you promise to act black, I promise to act white, and I'll preach in 30 minutes, okay? So, So as long as you respond to the preaching of the word, okay, I will get this done in 29 minutes in five seconds. I don't know what black man can preach in 29 minutes, but with the Lord, anything is possible. Amen. (laughs) You know what I love? Even as I look out at this crowd, there's so many people from so many ethnic diverse backgrounds. This is beautiful. Come on. This is what heaven is going to look like. How many people know there's not going to be a black church in heaven or Hispanic church in heaven? When we get to heaven, we all going to be worshiping together. So we may as well get comfortable doing that down here, right? Who's ready for the word this morning? Who's ready for the word? I'm ready for the word. If you've got a physical Bible, I brought my physical Bible to church today. Uh, I'm an AP Honors Christian. Let's go. All my AP Honors Christians, bust out your physical Bible. Go to the book of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John is the fourth gospel. Go to the book of John, and we're going to go to chapter 5. John chapter 5, we're going to start reading in verse 1. If you don't have your physical Bible, but maybe you have an iPhone, go ahead and go to Version. all right? Go to the Bible app, go to John chapter 5. If you have an Android device, just go ahead and put that away. We don't need any blurry pictures from church today, okay? And uh, I'm so sorry if I've offended you already. If you are offended, you can send an email to J-A-B-I-N. It's City Light Church. 
Facebook.com. <laughs> who's ready for the, come on, who's ready to read? I, I, like, I like fill in the blank style, so we do a little call and response. If I stop reading, that means it's your turn to start reading, all right? So it says this in John chapter 5, verse, verse 1. Sometime, later. that was like five of you. Sometime, later. there we go, Jesus went up to? For one of the Jewish festivals, next verse. Now there is in Jerusalem near the? A pool, which is in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Next verse. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie. Here we go. We got to break this down a little bit because the Bible is going to tell us that they are in three distinct categories, right? The first category is the? The? And the? See, I, I love this because society wants to identify you based on the issue that you struggle with. I don't know if there's anybody in the room who's ever been labeled or ever been categorized, but the devil always wants to link your issue with your identity. However, we declare today in this room that the devil is a liar. There may be some issues that you have struggled with, but that issue does not define who God says you are. Come on, the Bible that I read says, let the poor say I am rich. Let the weak say I am strong. There may be some things that I've struggled with in my life, but this cat Category is not going to limit me from taking hold of everything that God has for me. I don't know if there's anybody in the room who you've ever felt stuck in a category. Oh, come on. And, or your mom or, or your grandmom or somebody's ever said something to you like, you're never going to be any more than your father or you're a teacher, begin to put a label on you. But we declare today that if the enemy has ever tried to label you and limit you, we believe in the limitless power of God to help you be everything that God has called you to be. Somebody give God a good amen right there. Next verse. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time he asked do you want to get well okay we gotta we gotta whoo I know Jesus is like omniscient and everything but this is an ignorant question and nobody nobody okay like Jesus context clues would suggest that the man has been at this pool, and I want to give you background, uh, some context on the story, because the superstition of the day was that at the pool, uh, systematically over time, periodically, an angel would come down, touch the waters of the pool, the waters would be stirred, and the first person into the pool would get healed. So Jesus, context clues would let us know that the man is paralyzed, he's next to the pool, of course he wants to get well. However, do you realize that Jesus Jesus, uh, he don't ask dumb questions, which means Jesus is not asking, are you in the right place to be healed? But Jesus asking, do you have the right posture to be healed? Because you could come to church for 38 years and still be as crippled as you were when you limped yourself in here. Just because you are at church, just because you are in the right place does not mean you have the proper posture to actually get what it looks like you want. Oh, come on. Okay, I know. Y'all not going to be able to relate to this, okay? Because this church is amazing. You guys are beautiful. 
You guys don't have no issues. However, if you ever bump into my folks in North Carolina, you will know how to relate to them, okay? So this is why I'm going to tell you this, because, uh-oh, some people don't really come to church to get healed. They just come to church to make their Monday feel better. Uh-oh. Some people don't come to church to be healed. They just come to church to find friends in, in a new social environment. Uh, some people don't come to church to be healed. They, they just come to church to be seen. And, and uh-oh, some people don't come to church to be healed. They come to church to be heard. Because if you ever ask somebody a simple yes or no question, and they break out into a whole soliloquy of an explanation that you did not ask for, Jesus asked the man a simple yay or nay. Do you want to be well? Do you want to get healed? You would think that the man would be like, yes, sir, I do. Here we go, next verse. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me get into the pool when the water stirred. While I'm trying to get in, somebody else goes ahead of me. That don't sound like nobody at your church, I know. <laughs> Jesus asked this man a very simple yes or no question. But this man doesn't want to be healed. He wants to be heard. He believes in talk therapy. Hello. I know you don't got nobody like this at your church, but in North Carolina, someone will join a connect group. You know these people because everybody in the church know their issues and they only been in the church for like three months. Anyway. <laughs> They join connect group number one. The connect group leader, after, after hearing their whole sad story, the connect group leader goes, man, it's, it sounds like you should be single until you heal all the broken areas of your life. It sounds like you need to forgive somebody. It sounds like the last church you came from left you broken and hurt. You need to reconcile. You need to forgive. And, and, and these are the type of people who say things like, mm, I don't like how they said it. So they go to connect group leader number two. And now they repeat their whole sad story again. I know you don't know nobody like this. They repeat their whole story again. And Connect Group 2 leader says, it sounds like you need to forgive your father maybe. It sounds like, it sounds like maybe there's some broken areas of your life that, I don't know, it sounds like, sounds like you may need to ask for, for, for forgiveness. And they're like, oh, uh, uh, I cannot believe. Can you believe what they said to me? And then you get to connect group leader number three and connect group leader number three, that's your favorite connect group leader because you told them your little sad story and they was like, oh my God, I can't believe it because here's the deal. You didn't really want power. You wanted pity. Uh-oh. And I have learned that you cannot receive power from God and pity from God. You are either going to have to choose whether or not you want Jesus to give you power or for Jesus to give you pity. But if you want pity from God, you just canceled your ability to receive power from him. And so many people, they say things like, I just don't like, mm, I know Pastor Manny, I know what you said was right, but I don't like how you said it. For real, boo-boo. <laughs> because if somebody was going to give me a million dollars, I wouldn't care if they wrote me a check. I wouldn't care if they cash at me. I wouldn't care if they slapped me with a stack of bills. I wouldn't care how they gave it to me because what they're giving me is more valuable than the method of delivery they're choosing to give 
me. So at some point, you're going to have to put your feelings to the side and let truth be truth. The Bible says that believers love the truth. And sometimes the truth hurts. Hello, y'all preaching with me today. I love this. The guy's like, I have no one to help me into the pool. Wait, 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 wait. Well, the Bible's already let us know. There's three groups of people at the pool. Blind, lame, paralyzed. Bruh, who's beating you <laughs> to the pool? <laughs> it's not fair. Well, it seems pretty fair. <laughs> Seems pretty fair to me, actually. It's like, and, and wait, next verse, next verse. Come on, I got ADHD. Y'all about to take me all off track. Here we go. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. I think we got one more verse. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. Come on, let's pray. God, we thank you for the reading of your word. God, we ask that your word would bring light to our life today, that it would bring life, that Lord God, that we, would, we wouldn't just read your word today, but we would let your word read us today. God, hold the word of God in front of us like a mirror. God, we don't just wanna be hearers of your word today, we wanna be doers of your word. God, bring transformation, bring grace. God, bring, make the generalities that I preach from stage specific to each and every individual person today. God, we need you, we can't preach without you. We can't hear sermons without you. We need your Holy Spirit today. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all say together, amen. amen. I, I, wish, I wish I could like talk to this guy um, because the first thing that I would tell this guy is I've been to Israel. I've been to this pool. I've been to the pool of Bethesda. A couple years ago, we got blessed to go to, to Israel on a trip. And one of the first things that you realize about the pool of Bethesda is that it's perfectly situated. It's perfectly placed on a main thoroughfare. And, and you see, here's the reality is that the guy didn't really want power to change. He wanted pity in his position. And the pool is placed in such a way as to the people who were sick could have their hand out all day to receive pity from the people walking past. So when Jesus says, hey, do you want to get well? He's actually asking a very relevant and helpful question. Because what Jesus is saying is this, bruh, if I heal you, you're going to have to go get a job. Uh, you ain't worked in 38 years. I mean, you may not really want to get healed. Because healing is going to make you responsible. Uh-oh. Because it's easier to just lay on this mat and blame everything. Uh-oh. On racism. Or blame everything on the government. Or blame everything on... Uh-oh, see, see, it's getting uncomfortable, see? It's getting uncomfortable. Because as long as you stay on your mat, you have an excuse as to why you are the way you are. And see, every time we try to make the conversation about you, you want to make the conversation about everybody who didn't help you get to the pool. But the people who you needed to help you get to the pool struggle with the same thing you struggle with. So how are your insecure friends going to help you get to the pool of security? Please help me understand. How are your weed-smoking friends going to help you get to the pool of sobriety? Please. Please help me. 
How are all the friends who are dating just like you going to help you get to the pool of marriage? How? Maybe you need some people who don't struggle with what you struggle with to help you get to the pool. And Jesus says, do you really want to get well? Because here's the deal. Mm, uh-oh. I'm going to step on your toes. I'm, I'm, it's my first time here. I want to get invited back. Uh, I'm so conflicted, you know. <laughs> you can get a pedicure tomorrow, okay? Step on some toes. Um, see, Jesus says, are you sure you want me to heal you? Because if I really heal you of all your insecurities and I really heal you of all your daddy issues, you won't have an excuse as to why you date stupid people no more. See, you won't be able to blame anybody anymore. See, so, and sometimes healing hurts. I have a friend, see, when I turned 30, I just started sitting on the couch. That was it. At 30, I was like, it's couch time. I'm not playing pickup basketball anymore, like, because I, no one can prove to me that it's actually even healthy. It looks dangerous, you know, just, you're beating, your, your heart's beating, and I feel like I'm gonna die when I run, so. I just stopped. I'm just like, yeah, I'm, I'm done. We'll see how it works out in like 30 years, you know? But my friend Sam, he didn't get the memo. So he turned 30. He's like playing pickup basketball. And of course, I told him, bro, you're too old to be playing basketball, you know? I let him know that. He didn't listen. He said it was healthy. And then he snapped his Achilles. And I was like, see, told you, man, you need to join me on the couch, you know? And he's like, when I, when I tore my Achilles, it hurt. And, but I limped off the court. He actually got in his car. He had surgery the next day. And the crazy thing is, once they repaired it and the morphine wore off, the rehabilitation process hurt more than the initial injury. Because sometimes you can use, uh-oh, self-soothing mechanisms of life to numb you of all the pain that you experienced when you were a teenager. And now Jesus rose up in your life talking about, where did you bury Lazarus? And Mary and Martha are like, Lazarus, first of all, why wasn't you here a couple days ago? <laughs> but you now want me to unbury what I buried? Oh, I, I want you to get this because do you know how painful it has to be? When you bury that memory, you swept it under the rug. You are numb. And there's a word in the Bible when people are numb. It's called leprosy. Hello. You haven't been able to feel the Holy Spirit in years. You know why? Because you turned your emotions off a long time ago. Because you were tired of being disappointed. So you stopped having expectations. And now you have no expectations and you don't feel pain no more, but you also can't feel the presence of God either. And now God walks into your life and starts talking about, do you want to get well? And you're like, I don't know. If I really want to get well, because this comfort zone that I've made for myself, my friends don't challenge me. Everybody struggles with the same thing I struggle with. This mat has become comfortable. Has anybody ever gotten comfortable on their mat? I know we in church, you may, you may not want to be honest today. Has anybody ever got comfortable in their dysfunction? Comfortable in their bitterness? Comfortable and blaming other people for everything that happens. I love this because if I could talk to this paralyzed guy, I wish I could go back in time, talk to this paralyzed guy. I'd be like, bro, you realize, right? You're not the only paralyzed man in the Bible. You're not the only paralyzed guy in the Bible. You know, there's a whole nother paralyzed guy. And instead of hanging out at the pool, this paralyzed guy decided to get four friends who could walk. 
Do you know how uncomfortable it is to be sitting, to, sitting down constantly being reminded of what you cannot do? You know how uncomfortable, you know how your insecurities must be triggered when all your friends can walk and you can't. But I love this other paralyzed guy because this paralyzed guy's like, nope, I could go to the pool and surround myself with people who could never help me into the pool or I could sit here and be uncomfortable and watch people do what I can't do. But here's the thing, if I'm at a three and I only hang out with people at level two, I'll never feel uncomfortable. But if I hang out with people on level seven, then they'll make me pull up to their level of life. At some point, I've got to start surrounding myself with people who can do what I can't do and one day those four friends got tired of seeing him laying there on his mat and they said now we heard Jesus healing people down at Peter's house let's get home boy and one day they got him and took him to the house and climbed up the roof dug a hole in the roof lowered him into the place and Jesus healed him because I don't believe in pulling yourself up by your bootstraps I believe in pulling yourself up by your friend straps the people in your circle are going to determine whether a lot whether or not you live the mediocre life of the mat or live the extraordinary life of faith that God has called you to live can we get an amen in church <laughs> see in North Carolina we got comfort food mm. like a bed of biscuits with grits poured on top with shrimp poured on top of the grits with andouille sausage poured on top of the shrimp and then gravy drizzled on it all. That's called comfort food. That's called coma food. It's like, I need a nap after I eat this food. But you know what I realized? Everywhere I go, whether it's the South or not, people don't have comfort food, but they have comfort friends. Oh yeah, people who are at the pool with them who can't challenge them to be any different and who don't trigger any of their insecurities because they're in the same position. I remember being in high school. My dad had served an 18-year prison sentence. We grew up in the hood. We grew up in a rough part of town. We grew up really, really poor. But I remember getting invited to my friend's house. His name was Chris. Chris, oh God, Chris had an east wing to his house. I did not know houses had wings. <laughs> I didn't know, you know what I mean? I, I, so I'm at his house and, and, and Chris had an elevator in his house. It's the first time I'd seen an elevator in somebody's house. And, and because of the neighborhood I come, came from, the enemy wanted to use that experience to trigger jealousy in my heart. Because the moment you get around someone who's not on your mat, you start comparing yourself to them. And it's an opportunity for the enemy to use your selfish desires to create jealousy in your heart. And at some point, you've got to go, I could be jealous or I could be your friend. Because if I be your friend, then maybe God put me in a relationship with you to expose me to what my future is going to look like. I'm not going to be a hater. I'm not going to be jealous. If God's blessing my neighbor, then that means he's in the neighborhood. So I don't need to be jealous of you. If God's blessing you, I want to be friends with you because I want God to be the God of breakthrough in my life too. Jesus rose up on this dude. Like, are you sure you want to get healed? 
Because, bruh, living a healed life is not an easy life. Living a healed life means that you've got to revisit some pain and hurt. Because for some of us, uh-oh, stepping on toes again. The reason you can't break up with that dude ain't even because you love him all that much. The reason you can't break up with that dude is because that dude is your anesthesia. Uh-oh. That dude you date that you know you shouldn't be with? Yeah, he helps you to numb all your pain. Because all sin is, is humanity's method of self-soothing their pain. See, the reason, see, we can attack sin all we want, but until you get down to why you do what you do, you will always struggle with cycles of sin. And you've got to figure out, is this sin numbing my pain? Because sin will either numb your pain or Jesus will heal your pain. But in order for him to heal your pain, uh uh-oh, we've got to learn the difference between Jesus hurting us and him harming us. See, Jesus will never harm you, but he will hurt you in order to heal you. And so I love this because the dude gives a sad story. And Jesus shocks us. Okay, here we go. This is savage Jesus, okay? I know we're used to like, you know, Jesus holding lambs, real soft Jesus. But no, this is, this is savage Jesus. Jesus does not lay hands on this man. Jesus does not tell this man, hey, if you try to get up, I promise you'll be healed. This is the Jesus that just looks at a paralyzed man and says, get up. Now, this is ridiculous. I hope we're reading the same Bible because this is absolutely ridiculous. Has Jesus ever challenged you to do something that's impossible for you to do? Has Jesus ever looked at you and told you to do something that you know is stupid and crazy? Like, come on, put yourself in Abraham's position. Abraham been trying to have kids for decades. God rolls up on the scene talking about, we're going to change your name to the father of many nations. Like, Jesus is always going to push you to do what you cannot do on your own strength and power. And so I've got to ask myself the question, why would Jesus tell a paralyzed man to walk and get up? Well, it's because Jesus did not see him based on his problem. Jesus saw him based on his purpose and based on his potential. The reason that Jesus can say get up is because he sees you doing what you can't see yourself doing. Come on. Does God see you the same way you see you? Jesus rose up on the scene. I'm not going to help you. I'm here to heal you. I'm not here to give you a hand up or a hand out. I'm here to declare something over your life. Get up right now. Get up out of your dysfunction. Get up out of your bitterness. Get up out of your depression. Get up. You really want it? How bad do you want what you say you want? If you really want it, go ahead, take the first step. If you really want to be healed, then do what you've never done. Get up. Get up. Stop being comfortable on the mat. And get up. I love this because in order for the man to even try to get up, he would have had to believe, maybe I'll be healed. I want to help you because until maybe is enough for you, you'll never try. You know, in church, we're addicted to certainty. But guess what? Faith is a life of maybe. Maybe. 
maybe nothing will happen, but maybe something will. See, we want Jesus to say, hey man, if you try, if you get up, I promise you, you'll get healed. Jesus doesn't make any promises. He just says, go and get up with your bad self. And maybe, just maybe, the voice of the Lord is in your ear today saying, get up. See, I didn't even get a chance to say this in the first service. I got three minutes and 24 seconds. All right. Okay, I'm going to do this. I'm always, I always got more sermon than I got time. So here we go. You can text the word get up. I think we've got this graphic this time. You can text the word get up to 97000 and you'll receive a five-day devotional on this sermon. So there we go. No pressure to finish the message. The man actually wanted to be taken to the pool. You, you've got a pool too. Because the man didn't believe in Jesus, he believed in the pool. We all have a prerequisite that we think God needs to do before we can be healed. Oh, come on, we all have that thing. If I memorize more verses, then I can evangelize. If God gives me a job, then I'll tithe. Uh-oh. See, 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 I'm waiting for God to send me my spouse. That'll fix my lust problem. Uh-uh. See, we all have a pool. A thing we want God to do first. Before we do our part. I'll get up, but God's got to take me to the pool first. And God begins to walk into your life and say, I don't need your pool. Whatever you think you need, I don't need your pool. I don't need you to have a degree to use you. I don't need you to have the right name in order to use you. I don't need you to get to the pool before I can work miraculously in your life. See, what the pool does is it lets us procrastinate. See, 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 because until I get the pool, I can't really be who God wants me to be. So you keep, and you, you, you keep on putting it off, and you keep on putting it off, and you keep on putting it off. For some of you, you're like, no, 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 no. I just want to enjoy life a little bit more. Then I'll get baptized. And I want to prophesy to you today. No, tonight. Tonight's the night where you get into the pool of baptism. And you, like, give your life to Jesus. Like, stop putting it off. Me and my wife, we, we've been struggling to get pregnant for the past three or four years. And at first, like, when we were first struggling... It's almost like we had a way we wanted God to heal us. Like, no, we want to get healed naturally. We don't want to have to go to the doctor. You know, God will wait you out. Now we're at the point where we want kids so bad. We're like, God, I don't care what you do. You can bippity-boppity-boo me into healing. Or you can put me with a doctor who knows what they're talking about. I don't care. Because for some of us, you know what God, you know what you want God to do. You know when you want God to do it. You know how you want God to do it. And God is like, now am I your genie or am I your God? Because I'm not here to answer your wishes and take you to the pool. I'm here to tell you to get up because you don't need the pool anyway. Get up. Get up. Get up. My dad, my dad took me to a crack house when I was five years old. I mean, my dad's a piece of work. My dad's been addicted to drugs since I was about six months old. 
And I mean, to be honest, my dad did more damage to me and my mother with his words than even his actions. I mean, to this day, I can remember just damaging things that my dad said to me. It's funny because I was like 25 years old. I finally decided to see a therapist. And I'm talking to the therapist about my father. And see, I'm talking to the therapist and I'm saying, you know, my dad can talk his way into anything, talk his way out of anything. My father was manipulative with his words. My father literally did more damage with his words than even his actions. My dad was a piece of work. My dad was charismatic. He was charming. My dad was almost hypnotizing with his words. It's almost like you knew he was lying, but you wanted to believe him anyway. Like he was just that kind of individual. And even though he was a drug addict, my dad was also a professional contractor. So my dad was so charming and charismatic that he could sit down with someone and get a $20,000 down payment and never show up to do the work. I mean, my dad was just a charlatan. He was a trickster. And the therapist looks at me and says, it sounds like your father left you a powerful set of gifts. I was like, how about you put your little notepad down and listen to the words coming out of my mouth. See, what I didn't realize that day is I wanted pity, not power. So the therapist said, would you kindly repeat what you said about your dad? I said, yeah, listen up this time. My dad could talk his way into anything, talk his way out of anything. My dad was manipulative with his words. I mean, my dad did more damage to me and my mother with his words than even his actions. My dad was a trickster. He was a charlatan. He was, he was hypnotic with his words. I mean, he could just rope you in. It was almost like before you knew it, you were just in his orbit. It's like my dad's superpower were his words. The therapist said, yep, I got it right. Sounds like your dad left you a powerful set of gifts. I said, yo, you better have to make it plain real fast. <laughs> Help him, Holy Ghost, okay? Because <laughs> I will find a different therapist in a heartbeat. The therapist said, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a preacher. The therapist said, then it sounds like your superpower are your words. It sounds like you can talk people into anything, talk people out of anything. It sounds like God knew the exact father you needed for you to accomplish the purpose on your life. It sounds like God was intentional with the parents he chose to give you. It sounds like your father blessed you, but you're so bitter. You can't see that your father left you a powerful set of gifts. It sounds like you can talk people out of hell and into heaven it sounds like you can talk people out of depression and into joy it sounds like you can talk people out of anxiety and into peace because what the enemy meant for evil God can use for your good can I get an amen in church